When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Ukraine not screwing around. The National Guard has now shared a video of fighters greasing bullets in pig fat for the Muslim Chechens that are organizing against them to come in and attack. That's right. The National Guard of Ukraine has shared a video footage of their fighters greasing bullets with pig's fat for the Chechen Muslims deployed in their country on their verified Twitter account. They're not screwing around. And now we are even seeing the United Nations do something which is condemn what has happened in Ukraine at the hands of Vladimir Putin. Now, joining me in just a moment is former National Security Advisor under Donald Trump, Katie McFarlane. And I want to make sure that you hear what she has to say. She has amazing insight into what's happening in Ukraine. We were speaking backstage at CPAC, and I I said, Katie, can you please come on uh, and talk to the country uh, on my podcast Uh, about what we were talking about backstage. And she said yes, and we're going to be joined by her in a second. So make sure uh, you share this podcast with your family and your friends right now. Hit that little forward button, that little share button, so you can hear a brilliant uh, former national security advisor, uh, a woman that knows an awful lot about Russia, about Putin. And I'm going to have her with us in just a moment. Also, make sure you hit that download or auto-subscribe, auto-download button wherever you're listening to this podcast so you get this podcast each and every day. Now, the people in Russia are very clearly right now, uh, the people I should say in Ukraine are uh, very clearly right now fighting back, and it is obvious that this is not the way that Russia thought this war was going to go. Now, Ukrainian National Guard is standing firm. The people are standing firm. And what we are seeing right now is there are people that are dying and there are apartment buildings that are being attacked. And there are children now in the hundreds who have been wounded. This is how evil Vladimir Putin is. What we also know right now is that China is the only country so far, major country, to not condemn what is happening. But the United Nations as a whole is coming together to condemn. Now, the Russian army is also ratcheting things up because apparently Vladimir Putin is furious. And the human rights abuses and the human rights charges, they clearly don't seem to be caring or worrying about it at this point. Russian army has now deployed its TOS-1, TOS-1 heavy flamethrower. This flamethrower is not something that you would see in wars past. It is capable of vaporizing human bodies. They have now deployed it near the Ukrainian border. Footage is now showing this. It's very clear. CNN has even confirmed the TOS-1 heavy flamethrower being deployed near the Ukrainian border. 
These are the same people that told you that Donald Trump was the worst person in the world because of mean tweets. And now we're seeing what happens when you have a weak man be president in Joe Biden. We also are finally starting to send some help to Ukraine in the form of weaponry that we should have sent over the last year. And I think it's also very clear the reason why we did not send that weaponry over the last year is because we had a president that didn't really like Zelensky. I think it was personal. Zelensky had that phone call with Donald Trump that Democrats tried to impeach Trump over. A phone call that Zelensky actually said there was nothing inappropriate about or wrong with it. We saw the transcript. There was nothing inappropriate or wrong with it. But the media wanted you to believe that he was trying to attack Joe Biden before the election and his family, and he was abusing his power as the president of the United States of America, so therefore we should impeach him again. CBS News also reporting now that Ukraine's President Zelensky has agreed now to negotiations with the Russian officials without preconditions. That certainly could be a good sign. Could be a very good sign if things move forward the way that they should. Now, if you look at what this means, it could also be, and I don't get too excited over this, and the reason why I say that is because it could also just be a ploy by Russia to buy time while they reorganize because their initial invasion has not gone as planned. Take a listen to this breaking news. Pentagon is criticizing Vladimir Putin's decision to put his nuclear forces on high alert as, quote, unnecessary and escalatory. This as U.S. and European allies seek to further punish Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. That includes tough new financial sanctions and new flight bans. Still, Russian forces are pushing deeper into Ukraine. Resistance has reportedly been fierce, and in some places, the fighting street to street. But Russia's forces are advancing. These new satellite images you see there show columns of military equipment 40 miles outside the capital, Kyiv, and closing in. Today, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky agreed to negotiations with Russian officials without preconditions. As the fighting rages, the United Nations reports nearly 400,000 people have fled the country, most of them women and children. We begin tonight on the ground in Ukraine with CBS's Holly Williams. In just a few short days, Ukraine has transformed into a war zone. One Russian missile hit an oil depot on the outskirts of the capital, Kyiv, early this morning, according to Ukrainian officials. And in Kharkiv, just 20 miles from the Russian border, there's been fighting on city streets. Though Ukrainian authorities said today they were still in control. Yesterday in Kyiv, the battle came very close to us. We're hearing a lot of gunfire, obviously fighting taking place, we think, about three blocks from here. We were inside a private hospital, which has now cancelled all elective surgeries. Instead, Dr. Elisaveta Plachista told us they've prepared to treat combat injuries. Why are you staying? You could leave. It's my home. I'm in my own country. I was born here and I will live here for all my time, for all my life. Even if that means dying here? Uh, if it means fighting for my home. Ukraine's resistance has been determined and may have taken Moscow by surprise. Videos shared online appear to show killed and captured Russian soldiers and destroyed Russian military hardware. Ukrainian volunteers have taken up arms and made Molotov cocktails at the request of their government. 
now we are doing this and it seems like the only important thing to do now. Many of the bottles they're using to make those cocktails are are Russian vodka bottles, which I, I just love that. You listen to that doctor that refuses to leave and they said, are you willing to die here? She goes, this is my home. I'm going to defend my home. One of the other things that's amazing is the people that are leaving the Ukraine are the women and the children. It's not the men, folks. The men are not leaving. I want to make that very clear. The men are like, all right, well, we're staying. We're staying and we're going to fight and we're going to defend because we don't want our children to grow up under the under Russia, under the USSR. We don't want them to, to grow up. We are a free people and we are willing to fight because we are a free people. That is what we are going to do. We are not going to back down. We're not going to stop. This is how we fight. I think the whole world has been shocked by this. The fact that Zelensky wouldn't get on that plane and said, don't send me a plane to get me out. What an amazing leader. Give me a gun and give me weapons. Give me ammunition. Give me what I need to fight back. Now, the initial good news that I've been able to tell you could change easily. You hear now that Vladimir Putin has put his nuclear weapons on high alert to be able to use those. We hear that they're sending in a bunch, a lot more soldiers because I think he's furious that he actually looks weak. And now he's probably going to double down. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, a good friend of mine who I, uh, I feel like it's a family reunion every time I, I go to CPAC. Because I get to see and, and talk and learn from some of the most brilliant minds uh, in the world, especially about foreign policy. Uh, uh, and this week was a very special week for that because, unfortunately, with what was happening in Ukraine, uh, there was a lot of conversations that I would have never had about Putin, about Russia. And joining me now is one of those brilliant minds. Uh, KT McFarlane is a former deputy national security advisor of the United States of America under Donald Trump. And KT, I appreciate you coming on this evening to talk about this. And I want to start with asking you um, a, a, a bigger question that seems to be coming up, and that is, did this administration purposely walk away from the Ukrainian people because of a personal beef with Zelensky? They were angry at Zelensky for saying that there was Nothing wrong with that phone call that they try to use to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, that phone call talking about what the corruption in his country. 
And was this a, you know, a, a, a personal thing maybe with this administration it was like, you know what, we're going to let you sweat a little bit over there in Ukraine instead of backing and supporting him, realizing that, that Ukraine was standing up to Vladimir Putin in Russia. And I want to start with that. Your thoughts. I think it's probably a combination of several things. One, yes, I think the Biden administration and particularly Hunter Biden's relationship with the very corrupt former Ukrainian officials weighs into it. But I also think this administration is is practically criminally incompetent when it comes to dealing with most things, but most especially in dealing with international security. Um, Ukraine, the Ukraine cause, if you were, it was really damaged, if not lost, a year ago. When Joe Biden came into office, energy, oil prices were at $40 a barrel. Russia was back in its cage. The Chinese were back in their cage. We had a secure southern border. The economy was in great shape. And what did Vladimir Putin do? He turned off the single most important thing, not only in international relations, but in the U.S. economy, and that's American energy independence. We were independent because we had our own oil and natural gas, and we were exporting it to Europe. We were building liquefied natural gas terminals, and we were selling energy to the Europeans. Joe Biden, for whatever reason, part of it may be Ukraine, part of it may be the Green New Deal, part of it may be just his perverse hatred of anything Donald Trump did, he, he just reversed course. You know, the United States in the last decade has had the most incredible opportunity. Our engineers and scientists have figured out how to get oil and natural gas out of rocks. It's called shale oil, shale gas. Only in America can you do it. Only our technolo- technology, only our geography and geology. Our guys figured it out, and it has been a bonanza for the United States. Not only does it make us energy independent, but it pushes down the price of oil and natural gas, thereby bankrupting countries like Iran and particularly Russia. So that was number one. Biden went back to the pre-Trump policies on energy. As a result, predictably, um, prices of oil and natural gas have doubled, if not tripled. So he gave Putin, whose only main export is oil and natural gas. You know, who who buys Russian computers, right, or Russian cars? Their only export is oil and natural gas. And so Putin all of a sudden is sitting on a windfall. His income from oil and natural gas has doubled. It's tripled in the last year. When, when Putin, when Russia has high energy prices, it usually invades someplace. It uses that. When their energy prices are low, they can't afford to do it. So number one, the Biden well, and, administration and, and, and that enabled want I want to expand into that just a little bit because – it, oil and gas, you know, the, and we saw the incompetence this week of, of John Kerry coming out there saying that, that and this was his <laughs> genuine appeal. He actually said, you know, I appeal to to the Russians and and Vladimir Putin to stop this because it's going to have a negative impact. This is this is his words. He said this. It's going to have a negative impact on global warming. You and I both know Vladimir Putin could, could care less about global warming. That's that's I mean, that's a joke to even bring it up. It also shows how how how, you know, academic, you know, it's like they're smoking weed and talking about foreign policy at a Harvard bar. It's absurdity, uh, the, the, except it's actually coming from the people running this country right now. And, and, and you go back to this. What Donald Trump understood, and I think and I give you a lot of credit. I, I want to toot your horn as well. You understood that there's people like Vladimir Putin that you can at least you can't always control them, but you can 
you, you can at least mitigate their threat by one, being oil independent, by being energy independent, and two, keeping the costs low, not just to help our, the U.S. economy. It's a two-part, right? It's one, it does help the American family. Yes. But, but, but more importantly, you can keep them in check, and not just them. You can keep bad actors in the Middle East in check. That, uh, that without yes. oil prices that are high, they pretty much have to just kind of take care of their own backyard, and they can't afford to do stupid things like what we're witnessing right now, and immediately— not only did this president say no to that, but he actually purposefully gave Russia their pipeline, which would which he knew was going to make them rich. How do you make those two bad mistakes at the very same time? Well, but it's even worse than that because he enabled by shutting down the American energy industry and American energy exports to Europe. It meant that that European countries were even more dependent upon Russian energy. For their survival, you know, they get half of their energy from Russia. We were hoping the Trump administration, our plan was to replace Russia as the major energy supplier of Western and even Eastern Europe, and we were well on our way to doing that. So what, what we, what the Biden people did, they enabled Putin to do this because they gave him a lot of money, right? Because he got rich again, and then they gave him a lot of power because he had all this economic and political leverage over the European nations. So Putin's thinking, wow, this is my time. And then I think he also, in judging the incompetence of the Biden administration, thought, ha-ha, I'm going to take full advantage of the weakness of President Biden and his entire team. So that's why that's why Putin figured I'm never going to have a better time than this. No, I think it's backfired on Putin, not because of Biden, but because of the unbelievably heroic Ukrainian people. Let's talk about the Ukrainian people real quick. And, and I think what we are witnessing you know, the, some of the comments have been coming from this administration, things like, well, we will continue to, um, you know, work with Zelensky as long as he's legitimately in charge. That, to me, is basically saying, go kill him, and then we won't deal with him anymore, and we'll deal with whoever. I mean, I, 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 I truly was taken aback by that statement from us, the idea that we also undermined uh, the, the people in Ukraine by saying, well, you, if it's a small inclusion, if you just invade not the whole country but part of the country— we, we, we maybe we'll look the, the other way at least a little bit. And then you see us saying, well, we'll get you out, Zelensky. We'll send a plane for you and we'll get yeah. you out. And, and, and undermining the people again. And he's like, no, I don't need you to get a plane to get me out. I need you to get a plane over here with ammunition in it so that I can fight my for my own country. What an amazing story that is. And what a great response from someone that's saying, uh-uh, you guys don't understand us. We're not, we don't cut and run like you guys did in Afghanistan and leave your own citizens and the people that helped you 60 feet away from you on the other side of a fence, and we don't, and we don't take orders from people like Putin like you guys took orders from the Taliban. What an amazing moment to show the difference between the Biden administration and, and true warriors like Zelensky. And it's not just that. It, it's that everybody in the world expected Zelensky to get on that plane. Everybody assumed that the Russian, I mean, the Russian military would just smoke them within 24, 48 hours. Everybody assumed the Ukrainian army would lay down its arms, and everybody assumed that the Ukrainian population would just go along with it, whatever Vladimir Putin wanted. And we have seen in the last couple of days unbelievable heroism, and the tide is now turning. The United Nations met on Friday. They met again on Sunday. They're going to meet again on Monday, and they're now censoring Russia. 
They're demanding Russia pull back. And the only country in the Security Council that's saying voting no for this is Russia. They're vetoing and everything. So they're abusing their position at the United Nations to basically get away with whatever they wanted. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the latest numbers we have right now, uh, KT, are 352 civilians have died, including 14 children, Ukrainian officials have said. Uh, the U.N., as, uh, and I really want to get your reaction to this, the, U- the U.N. votes to call this emergency session the General Assembly, uh, and the U.S. Embassy has urged Americans uh, to depart Russia uh, amid massive flight cancellations. U.S. officials all say Russian momentum slowed by uh, the stiff resistance of the people in Ukraine, which is incredible because a lot of people thought they were just going to get steamrolled and that has not happened. And now the UN seems to be taking a little bit of action. Explain the dynamic there. All right. So the United Nations Security Council, which is five permanent members, United States, Russia, China, um, Britain, France, India, and there then another number of rotating members. They took, they've met over the weekend. And they took a vote of we would like to condemn Russia for invading Poland, unprovoked invasion of Poland, of um, of Ukraine. And every one of the countries either voted in favor of condemning Russia or in the case of China, they abstained. But in the case of Russia, they vetoed it. So Russia has a veto to sort of take it off the table. Now, the United Nations, which is not known for its sort of backbone and courage in issues of this nature, they actually are showing some real spunk. They're meeting again on Monday, and they are going to condemn Russia for this action. But what started to happen, and it's because of the Ukrainian president, the mayor of Kiev, it's the Ukrainian people, it's the Ukrainian military. And the Ukrainians, when I was in Kiev right after the Maiden Square Revolution in 2014, I met with the chief of staff of the Ukrainian military. And he said, well, my son is um, taking up arms. And I said, really? And he said, well, my son is a lawyer, but he really feels that we need to fight for Ukraine's independence. You Americans, you fought for your independence, but we Ukrainians, we kind of got it when the Soviet Union collapsed. We are going to need someday to fight for our independence again. And so that's what's happening. It's doctors, it's lawyers, it's teachers, it's housewives, it's grannies who are taking up guns, and they're ready to fight block by block by block. So Putin's overreached. He could have gotten away with something smaller, but by doing what he did— He's either, he had to do it quickly. And because he couldn't do it quickly, he either looks incompetent, right? The great Russian military couldn't take on a bunch of grannies, or he looks like a bully because he's killing children. I think within a couple of days' time, he will face ostracization from the world. And I think the Europeans, especially Germany, 
have now decided, oh, boy, we really better help Ukraine. Nobody's going to send in troops to help Ukraine, but they're going to give the Ukrainians the weapons to fight by themselves for themselves. Why did it take so long, KT, for the U.S. to send these anti-aircraft Stinger missiles that we've just been told are going to be going to Ukraine? Why didn't they do this when they saw the buildup of the military? And I go back to this. I don't think it's incompetency. I wonder if it was just, you know what, Zelensky, we don't like you, and we don't like that you were friendly with Trump, and we don't like that you legitimized that yeah. phone call that we wanted to impeach, and, and we don't like that, you know, what was going on with my son in Burisma. I, 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 otherwise, I don't understand a, a reason not to do this. And now, all of a sudden, as, as the bodies are mounting, right, we're seeing the body count go up. Um, they're saying that 1,682 people, the Ukrainian government just announced, including 116 children, have been wounded. Uh, this is a new statement coming from the, the, the Ukrainian government. We all of a sudden see, okay, this is unfolding on TV. It makes, I think, this administration clearly look bad. And they're like, all right, well, now we will send you the missiles that you need. It reminds me so much of, of the, the famous movie charlie wilson's war and he's like what does it take to shoot down the helicopters right what are the what do, what does it take to shoot down the russian helicopters give the mujahideen whatever they need to shoot down the russian helicopters and it's the same thing here it's like what do they need and why didn't they have it already well they did president trump reversed the obama administration's decision and president trump sent ukraine lethal weapons because they knew that they had to have the lethal weapons now because eventually the Russians would attack. What happened when Biden came in, again, he wanted to undo anything Trump had done. He stopped sending lethal weapons. He, he was sending blankets and food. And, you know. and so there, there Ukraine is, naked, and they needed the weapons. If we had given the weapons to them over the last year, it would have even been a more dif- a difficult situation for the Russians. I don't think the Russians would have had the nerve to attack. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing of all, was the energy. Because Biden made Russia rich, and he emboldened Russia to use blackmail against the European nations. But let's talk about Putin. Uh, this is somebody that obviously has a former deputy national security advisor. You got to study his history. I've always said respect your energy, your your, your uh, enemy, and know them well and and understand them. Uh, th- this is not the normal way that Russia does things. Usually, they'll surround and choke hold and and starve you yeah. out. They, they minimize the loss of their own lives, their own of their own military. Right. They'll they'll make it hell for mm-hmm, you where yes. you finally give in. Seeing the way that Vladimir Putin is acting now, I am worried about him. And I'm talking about his his state of mind, because I think there seems to be some sort of manifest destiny with him at this point where it's like, all right, I know America, quote, won't stop me. I know the world was doesn't have the appetite to stop me right now. And I watched how weak America is in Afghanistan, where they wouldn't go 60 feet to go get Americans. They wouldn't get out their own people, much less the people that helped them for the last two decades. And they were taking orders from the Taliban. I can do whatever I want. And I think that he truly believes that his destiny is to put back the USSR and thinks that that should have never even happened in the first place. What do you think his mindset is? Well, your, your thoughts are, are right on, and you're very astute to think that. Um, I went back and read Vladimir Putin's college dissertation. You know, he was a KGB agent during the Cold War. The Soviet Union collapsed after President Reagan won the Cold War. I was part of his administration, the Reagan administration. And then Vladimir Putin had a career court change. He decided, well, I'm going to go to grad school. He wrote a dissertation. 
because he had an eye to politics. In his dissertation, he said, we're going to rebuild the Soviet Union. We're going to make Russia great again by taking energy, our oil and natural gas resources, out of the hands of the oligarchs, putting them under the state government control. We're going to build pipelines. We're going to make Europe dependent upon our energy. And we're going to make a lot of money from our energy to rebuild the former Soviet Union. And that has been his mission. He is a man who thinks destiny has given him this role and this moment to recreate the Soviet Union and to break NATO. And that's what this is all about. I mean, yes, Ukraine, but his real goal is to drive a wedge between NATO and show NATO to be impotent and and really an anachronism. That's what he's really after. So he thought he could do Ukraine, snap dab, done, and then turn his his forces, which were already there, right, already on the border of Ukraine, he could put his forces and break off the Baltic republics, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, who are NATO members. Ukraine is not part of NATO. But those NATO members in the Baltics, and if Putin did that, if he grabbed those three Baltic states, which he could do within a couple of, well, really a couple of hours, then he would present NATO with a fait accompli. And then he would have to say to the NATO countries, okay, what are you going to do about it? You want to go to war with Russia to get back three little inconsequential countries? That's what Putin's goal was. And I don't know that he's going to be able to achieve it now because I think the world is looking at him for what he is, a bully. And, the, and a and that, bully who has exploited the situation and killing women and children. And that's the next question I was going to ask you, and it is about NATO. If Ukraine is able to hold off Russia, should American citizens be advocating for us getting them in NATO? Uh, and do you think that would be a wise move? No. I think let's, there's no reason for that right now. Let, let this play out. Let's see what happens. Let's see if Vladimir Putin is even in office, you know, a month from now. He, he's going to have a lot of blowback domestically from his people who are going to say, why did you get us in this mess? And he's also going to have blowback from China. China was expecting um, Putin to grab Ukraine, potentially break NATO, and then China was going to grab Taiwan. They were all going to do that within the next year or two. That's all put and pin put on hold now. I think we have to just wait and see how this crisis plays out. Maybe Russia eventually gets hold of Ukraine, but maybe not. You know, if you'd ask me, Ben, when we first saw each other at the beginning of the CPAC conference five days ago and Russia had begun to invade Ukraine, I never would have thought the Ukrainians would do what they're doing. And they are changing world opinion. And now if you're not on the side of helping Ukraine, you know, you're on the side of the big nasty bully. And so I think you'll see a number of countries, including Germany now, Germany has done something unprecedented in the last 24 hours. They're now sending weapons to Ukraine, and Germany, who've been freeloaders on NATO for decades, they've said that they're now going to up their defense spending and they're going to be a full participant in the NATO alliance. So things are changing very rapidly. And frankly, it's really heartening to see it. It is is inspiring. KT, I, I mean this sincerely. I, I appreciate you spending time explaining this to so many people that are listening. I, I look up to 
uh, very few people in politics uh, with the way that I look up to someone like you. And I mean that sincerely. I, I look at you as a, a mentor of foreign policy uh, for, for people like me that are trying to connect these dots. So not only thank you for your friendship, but thank you for coming on and talking to so many others about this, explain it to them and, and for your services country, what you've done. And, and I, I'm going to bother you, I'm sure, over the next few weeks and get you back here again real soon. <laughs> All right, lastly, please make sure you hit that subscribe button or auto-download button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and take a moment to write us a five-star review. Uh, Many on the left have been attacking our podcast, writing us bad reviews on purpose. So if you would help us fight back by writing us a good review, a five-star review, and share this podcast with your family and friends on social media to help us grow, see you back here tomorrow. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.